What's up, everybody? This is Jerry Ferrara, and you are listening to the Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah podcast. Hey, Gus, how you doing? Hey, Vince. Um, yeah, I'm really glad your crazy manager got you back on our radar. Oh, yeah? But he's a pushy one. Yeah, he is. Anyway, I watched your stuff, and I really thought it was great. You're definitely growing and definitely have something. Just not for this movie. Uh, yeah, uh, no, I understand. But we should work together in the future. I mean that. Th- thank you. Bye. What'd he say? Uh, he said, I'm on his radar and we'll work together. Just not in this one. Well, all right, all right. At least he appreciates how good you are. Yeah. That's cool, bro. You get the next one. Fuck! Vincent! It took two years, but we finally did it. We finally reached the finale of season five of Entourage. Welcome back, everybody, to Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah, the Entourage podcast. I am your host, J.R. Hickey, coming to you from Palm Springs, California. A wet weekend here in California. We got like a foot of rain, and it was, as they say, we needed it. Uh, Hope everyone's week has gone well. Got a great episode for you today. Another lawn one. My longtime friend, Fraser Tharp. Fraser has risen in prominence over the last three years. He's now the senior entertainment editor over at GQ. He's done some incredible interviews with famous movie stars, hip-hop artists, a lot of cover stories for GQ. Fraser is an Entourage fan. Let me make this perfectly clear. He wrote the oral history of the Entourage pilot for Complex.com. He's interviewed Doug, Kevin, and Kevin more times than I ever have. But he is also a film and television critic. So what you're about to hear is a very, very in-depth conversation about the season five finale, Return of Queens Boulevard. And Frazier puts on his critic hat for a couple things. He pokes a couple holes in the plot. He is by no means a hater. But he has a different perspective on this finale than I did. But don't worry, I made sure that this episode got all of the love that it deserves. Because I know in the minds and hearts of Entourage fans, this is an iconic episode. It's an iconic episode for me. It's easily top four, top five. The Marty Scorsese, the Dust Van Sand, them being in New York, all of it. We break it down. We give a huge love letter to Johnny Drama at the end of this episode, so you don't want to miss it. Now, in terms of going forward scheduling-wise, I do have another big favor to ask, and that is for your patience. So in two weeks' time, I'm going to Europe for 11 days, maybe? So what I need is I need another week. I'm not going to have a new episode next week because I'm going to spend the next two weeks recording a few episodes with guests. That way, while I'm in Europe, I can just release them every Monday as we go. That way you don't miss out on episodes in order. So next week, no new episode of Entourage. The date on that would be, I think, the 19th. Yeah, the 19th of September, no new episode. But then we'll return with the season six premiere uh, a week after that, Monday, September 26th, while I am gallivanting around Europe. Yeah, check out the uh, check out the Oh Yeah Pod TikToks, Instagram, Twitter, at Oh Yeah Pod on all those platforms. Follow me if you're so inclined, at JR Will Do It. I also included in the show notes today a link to an article that I wrote three years ago that uh, Fraser both commissioned and edited for me for Complex.com where I ranked every single cameo in the entire run of Entourage. It was like a Labor Day weekend I'll never forget, sitting at a dining room table writing about every cameo. Um, 
because you know we talked about Scorsese and where he uh, ranks and all of that. So go check that out if you haven't seen that, or if you haven't read it in a long time. It's exhaustive. It's a nice long, you know, five ten minute read. That's all I've got. Working on a list of guests for next season. Tad, DM me um, if there's someone you'd like to hear, if you'd like someone to come back or maybe not to come back. I'm totally open to all that. But in the meantime, enjoy Return to QB, and I will talk to you in a few weeks. My guest this week first joined us for Good Morning Saigon in Season 2. He later returned for Dies and Doll in Season 3. And for the Day Fuckers in person in Season 4. He's a born and raised New Yorker. He recently, not so recently, became the senior entertainment editor for GTU. Fraser Tharp, welcome back to the Entourage podcast. Happy to be here. My favorite show to talk about. <laughs> we are talking about the season five finale, Return to Queens Boulevard. Everybody knows it. It's on the Mount Rushmore for a lot of people. It's, it's set in New York. We got Marty Scorsese. There was only one person I could have on this podcast, and it was you. So thanks for agreeing to do this, man. Of course, of course. I mean, technically, I'm a Brooklyn guy. All right. I'm not on Queens Boulevard with the boys, but close enough. Yeah, you could drive. You could walk over. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's a, you're close enough, right? <laughs> um, okay, so we start this off normally with on this date stuff. This episode aired November 23rd, 2008. Frazier, I never asked you this question when you were on. It's a new question. Where were you on this date? Not this exact date, but where were you in life in November 2008? In life, I was probably, not probably, I had to have been like a little over three months into freshman year of college. So you were watching Entourage in the dorms at NYU, yeah? Of course, but it's funny because like being a TV guy, um, I used to watch everything and then you, you go to college and you're like, all right, I can't like this, I have a life to live. Like I can't watch every new, because you know, that was also back then before streaming where like fall was like when a million shows were on. Yep. Um, so I say all that to say Entourage was the, the rare show I made time for, especially that appointment right. television. Appointment is television. there, is there like a gap in your TV, you know, timeline where you're like, well, that was when I was in college, those four years, whatever that might've been like rescue me or like some of those old FX shows where you're just like, man, I never got a chance Actually, to jump on that train. You know, the big show when I was in my first couple of years of college was sons of anarchy. Oh yeah. That started the same fall. And I did, I watched one episode and I didn't love the pilot. So mm -hmm. same shit. I was like, all right, I can't, I'm, I'm not going to like sit with the show. I'm not sold on yet. But then like enough people that I trust told me that season one was crack and I caught up for season two. So I would say that's like, that was like the, the real big pop and show. I'm sure there's some other shit from that era that maybe I lamed on, but season two finale with opie oh my good lord yeah. it's still one of the best moments ever in television i think i told you this when we we chilled in person and that was three years ago by the way it might only be in like the timeline of the podcast like 12 episodes ago but it was three years ago in real time my first job was at fx i worked in, i was an assistant and i would go through the screeners back when screeners were dvds as you know oh yeah, yeah, yeah. i would screen them for objectional advertiser content so if you saw you know, on Sons of Anarchy, someone burn someone else's daughter alive <laughs> in a shipping container. You didn't then want to see like an Allstate ad for motorcycle <laughs> insurance. It was actually a dope job because like I just sit at my desk and watch TV all day. And that's kind of what got me into the you know, got me passionate about television. And um, really quick, I know this is a mutual friend of ours. You know who sat next to me at that job? Who? Andrew Barber. Oh, wow. 
No way. Fake Shore Drive. He was running it from his work desktop computer, and I was just like a bright-eyed 22-year-old being like, you're Fake Shore Drive. You can have a whole other job on top of this job. And it like, it opened my mind view, man. It's such a, That's it's incredible. so wild. If you ever asked him about me, he'll probably be like, Hickey was the worst fucking assistant <laughs> on the planet. But uh, small world, you know what I mean? <laughs> Speaking of hip hop music, Chicago, this actually is a perfect segue. So on this date, November 23rd, 2008, the next day on Monday, November 24th, the fourth studio album by Kanye West, 808s and Heartbreak, was released by Def Jam Records and Rockefeller Records. Oh, wow. What a famously, famously recorded in Burbank and in Honolulu. He utilized guest vocals from artists including Kid Cudi, Young Jeezy, and Lil Wayne. 808s has been credited for pioneering emo rap and experimental R&B. <laughs> Rolling Stones later included 808s and Heartbreak in its list of the 40 most groundbreaking albums of all time and ranked it number 244 on its revised lists of the 500 greatest albums of all time. I mean, listen, all that is true, but I can tell <laughs> you at the time, yep. People were It was not, whack. People were not into it. I was not into it. People were not in like not like I won't say they hated it, but it was like a journey, it was a swerve that people were like what's going on. And it's crazy yep. you want to put that in entourage context. It's like one album before he had one of like the best musical moments on TV when Venner premiered uh, Good Life. Good Life. Yep. In the episode. We had Jerry on for that episode. And uh, yeah, it's just like one calendar year beforehand. That was what was going on. End of the summer, early fall, t- 2007, graduation is hitting. And uh, yeah, man, definitely a swerve. But uh, obviously, it's aged really well. By 2020, the album was certified triple platinum. But the RIAA, it's it, it goes down still as like one of his best albums. But at the time, I remember just driving around Chicago being like, what is this? Right. I don't know. <laughs> Definitely can't premiere any of those songs in the entourage episode. Way too sad. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe in season seven. But uh, yeah, we'll talk about that. Quick recap of this week's episode if you haven't had a chance to rewatch it. After another late night drowning their sorrows in New York City, the guys gather in Vince's mom's kitchen in Queens. As she demands to know why her son can't play the lead in Dust Van Sant's latest feature, because Page Six says that Joaquin Phoenix has dropped out. But when E calls Ari, he informs him that Dust isn't a fan of Vince. The director even refuses to have him audition. Undeterred, Eric goes to Dust's office to try to give Vince a shot. But meanwhile, Vince's mom surprises him with a welcome home party, and he and the guys catch up with friends and family. Drama continues to give Turtle a hard time about the mysterious calls he's getting, but Turtle refuses to say anything until Drama grabs the phone away and Jamie Lynn comes clean. After waiting all day, E finally catches Dust and convinces him to watch Vince's footage from Smoke Jumpers. Ari hesitates, but manages to get the footage to Dust, who calls E and Vince impressed, but not impressed enough to cast him. At the end of his rope, Vince fires E, blaming him for his career failures, and furious Eric heads back to L.A. When Vince gets a last-minute surprise offer from Martin Scorsese to star in his next film, Ari points out that it's actually due to E, since it was Dust who slipped Marty the Smoke Jumpers tapes. Back in Hollywood, E won't take Vince's calls, so Vince returns to mend their friendship in person, and with a group hug in Eric's office, the boys are back in business. <laughs> Frazier, what was your favorite moment from this week's episode of Entourage? I mean, honestly, I like, and the show gets unfair criticism for, um, like, easy resolutions, right? Sure, sure. Uh, which is not true, and I, I haven't I haven't been, been listening to uh, this season of the pod, but, I mean, I'm sure you've talked about, like, this is the experimental, everything's going wrong season. Yep. So just like in keeping with that, I think 
the whole Gus Van Sant thing is always is fun because it just I, I like seeing them have to struggle, you know. Yep. And uh, I don't know. It's funny because um, I mean this is kind of getting into worse celebrity cameo too, but it's like <laughs> his performance isn't that good, but yeah. it also works because he's so dismissive. Like whatever flat one note thing he's doing kind of mm-hmm. works. He could care less. Yeah, it's like so off his radar, so not worth his time that he's not even getting excited about it in any way. So yeah, I I kind of agree with that. Yeah, Seeing Eric have to like literally stalk him and be like thirsty and and sell Vince, all that stuff is cool. So what didn't I make clear to Ari that I should make clear to you now? Well, nothing, but I know Vince can do this part. And I know he can't, so where does that leave us? Well, I think if you just looked at some of his work, you'd see it. I've seen all of his work. Probably not all of it. Have you seen Head On? Yep, saw it. Well, what about Queens Boulevard? Not a lot of people saw that, but it was an amazing performance. At Sundance, the New York Times said he might win an Oscar. But he didn't. No, he didn't. And I saw it. Well, what about Aquaman? Everyone saw Aquaman, and I see everything. And what about the scenes from the last movie? He just shot Smoke Jumpers. I know you didn't see those. So you're going to sell me on Vince based on a $120 million film that was shut down because the director didn't like his work? Look, I know he can do this. Please, just take a look at the scenes. So you're kind of desperate, huh? Yeah, but it doesn't mean I'm wrong. Okay, send over some scenes. I'll take a look. And then, I mean, obviously, like, the, the New York thing, um, it's one episode. I feel like they could have done even more with it, really. Like, they do a lot of hometown stuff, but it, it's funny, like, rewatching it for this. This is, like, the moment they've been building up to since, um, not the pilot, but at least, like, the season, the first season finale when they go back. You know, like, they've been, yep. they've, it's, it's loomed over the show for a while and it's actually like impressive that they didn't do it until season five i totally agree i i probably would have taken one less big bear smoke jumpers episode on yeah. set and one more <laughs> new york in queens just hanging out seeing hometown people introducing new characters because this was a you also i, I don't know about you fraser but and going back and rewatching this, I was like, oh, it's the New York episode. This is a good, meaty, long episode. This is 23, 24 so minutes long. It's but it's so it's jam-packed. So, I mean, my my favorite moment is pretty obviously the Scorsese phone call in the bar. There's just, oh, you can't split any hairs. Like, it's just, it's such an iconic moment where they've brought up Scorsese so many times in the past five and a half seasons that you never actually think of it as a reality. And when he makes that phone call right. and we see him on the roof, it's a jaw dropping moment. I mean, it was back in 2008 when I was, I was a junior in college. I'm a little older than you. And I just remember sitting there and doing like, Holy shit. They actually got Scorsese. Actually, you know what? I got a little bit of business as well, Vinny. Oh yeah. What's going on? It's right here. Lloyd. You got him. Indeed. I do. Here's Vinny. Hello. Hello, Vince. Hey, it's Marty Scorsese. Hi, hello. Yeah, listen. You got a minute to talk? Uh, yeah, uh, indeed I do. Okay, well look, Gus was kind enough to send me some of the rushes in that picture you were in about the forest fires or whatever. And I saw them and I thought you were terrific. And I'd love to offer you a part in my new picture. Really? Yeah, it's a, a reimagining of the Great Gatsby. Modern day, uh, set in the Upper West Side of New York. And I think he'd be perfect for Nick Carraway. What do you think uh, of that? Um, amazing. Great. If you'd like to come in and talk about the details. Okay. Okay. See you soon then. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Uh, I'm going to be in a Scorsese movie. Oh, God, correction. You're going to be the lead in a fucking Scorsese oh. film. 
You talking to me? It's my dinero, no good? This is unreal! Look at that, young love, huh? And it shoots in New York as well, if that helps. Nice. Thank you, Ari. Thank you. You know what? Don't thank me, thank E. For once in his life, the little McNugget delivered. Where's the little freak, anyway? It's funny because, like, they'd gotten James Cameron at that point. They, they, you know, they hit some pretty big. They gotten Kanye, like, you know, it wasn't that surprising. But at the same time, it, it came out of left field. Which, yeah, some people will say, neatly wrapped bow, perfect ending as usual. But it was nice after seeing Vinny and the boys struggle. Also. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, I'm of two minds, and we can like kind of go into um, least favorite moment. Yeah. With that, but like, let's do it. The Scorsese thing isn't. A neatly wrapped bow. They earn that, right? Even even if you don't want to take the whole season in, like just take it as an episode. Again, like E is literally having to stalk Gus Van Sant, and they still don't get it. But it pays off in the Scorsese. Like if if Scorsese just called Vince, yeah, that would have been dumb. Gus referring Vince to Scorsese um, works. The the neatly wrapped thing is like Eric and Vince literally mending like a very nasty beat yeah. breakup in 15 seconds. Like it was, it, yeah. it played even worse than it did in my mind. Uh, <laughs> obviously I rewatched the show at the time, but I hadn't seen this episode in a while and I knew the beats, but even just rewatching, I was like, really? Like, come on. Yeah. And it's funny cause um, you know, this was back when um, like, again, like 2008, right? TV is very different even something on HBO still is like formulaic in some ways. And it was a very big deal to change the DNA of the show this season and make it um, a season like full of like losses and struggle and whatever, because especially like as a sitcom, like people didn't come to it for that. Of course but not. I get the, I get why they would want to return to the status quo and it's expected almost, but like rewatching it now and thinking about it, an interesting thing would have been to go into season six with the Scorsese call and Vince back on top or whatever. But he and E are like a little estranged. Yeah. At first, you know, I think that yeah, would have been on the outs. Yeah. Like, I, I just think like, like the fight is so, um, you can feel it coming. Hmm. Um, it was a little forced. I'll get into that, but it's just like they went there and then backpedaled it immediately their conversation in E's office back in la is like 37 seconds long it is just like it is not the resolution that that fight needs i completely agree with you you're just gonna keep ignoring my calls i wasn't ignoring them saw you through the window yeah well my phone's broken what are you doing here well since you wouldn't answer the phone i flew in to apologize personally oh wow appreciate that i said some things I was really feeling awful about myself when I took it out on you. Accept my apology? Yeah, I do. Any chance you might be my manager again? Uh, I don't know about that, Vince. I think maybe some of the things you said were right. I did fuck some things up, and I guess I got in Ari's way a little bit. I'm okay with that now. I got some things going on, and you will too. I got something going on. The lead in Scorsese's next movie. What? How? Good management. You in? Come on, I don't want to do this without my brother. Yeah, I'm in. Scorsese? That's crazy. Congratulations. Thank God the sea was getting way too gay for my taste. 
We missed you, E. Sorry, don't how are you, man? Let's go get wasted. Let's, let's do it. I like it. I like it. Where to? Where to? And then the other, the other, the real problem that I always had with this episode was that, and then kind of this season, which I don't know if I'm remembering correctly, but I feel like they come into the season kind of blaming E. Yeah, my whole thing was that like, and again, this is entourage. It's not like a yeah. continuity shit, whatever. But sure, literally, Vince is only in this position from not listening to E. Right? Like he was right about the 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 Medellin the entire time. He, he was brought, he was right about Billy Walsh. He was right about just all the all the decisions. But he's E, so he's kind of like the quietest voice in the room. Exactly. And but it just. <sighs> It bothered you. And you know what? So I, I was going to ask you overall, like, what did you think of this season? Season five of Entourage, in the moment, what did you think of it? And then in retrospect, what do you think of it? As a TV credit, I'm really interested to hear. I mean, I think it it, it was a exciting season then. And um, it definitely holds up in the macro. I mean, I, like I said, it's just like, especially back then, like shows weren't um, as willing to, to shape shift or shake shit up or, you know, do whatever. So Anytime you had a show come in and, and like just try something out, it was cool. And I think it led to, I mean, like the the Vince having to do a birthday party, like all that stuff. Um, even like the Stellan Skarsgård stuff, like it has its highs and its lows, you know, like. It does. Uh, there's some good stuff in there for sure. I've talked about it ad nauseum on this pod, but to you, like in rewatching, I didn't remember thinking of those episodes fondly, uh, the Bid Bear Smoke Jumpers episode, but there's some really great moments. There's some like, Stellan Skarsgård telling Vince he has like bad habits as an actor. I'm oh like, yeah, of course he does. This makes total sense. Maybe we see some growth from Vince. Maybe him being at the lowest of lows at the end of the season will cause him to reflect. Nope, Marty Scorsese <laughs> offered him. <laughs> but you know what, dude? I'm not gonna lie. It was fucking awesome. Like I still love it. I still like you know my whatever. Big smile goes on my face. I'm like I can't fucking believe this. Like yeah, you it's, can, awesome. it's just that you can feel them like being like okay, season's over. Let's get back. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. We and did it was it. cool. It was cool at the time. But yes, looking back on it as we're doing now, in a macro sense, using a word that you just used, it's like, man, I would have liked, I, I kind of agree with you, I would have liked them going into season six, even if it's just like a two, three episode, exactly. Vince and E are on the outs, just like how they did with Ari in the middle of season three. But actually, you know, now you bring that up. One thing I did notice on the rewatch, and again, I wasn't mad at it because I commend the experiment. And this is proof that Entourage did take narrative experiments, right? Because mm-hmm. firing Ari was also a big shakeup to the status quo. But I love season three, part one. Season three, part two does suffer from that estrangement. It does. Yeah, because it separates them. It puts yeah. Ari plots over here and Vince E drama turtle plots over here. It just didn't really gel. Um, I think if anybody were doing like an episode ranking right? You put those near the bottom. You know, thinking about that, I can now I can kind of, I'm talking myself out of my point, but I can forgive them for not wanting to do that again two seasons later. Totally. Every week we talked about bros being bros moments, and that's not really like being bro-y, but just like just moments of male bonding. And I will say, Although it's rushed and although it's 37 seconds long, Vince apologizing to E in person is like, that's a, that's a you know, man-to-man kind of guy move. But I, I appreciated yeah, yeah. it in theory, if that made sense. Like, 
if it if it only lasted five lines, like whatever. Like we got to the good ending, but I like that. And then at the end, drama goes like, let's just don't get wasted. Like that's what those guys do. Like they're not gonna go and like have a nice dinner. Like don't want to get wasted after news like that. That's... That is the most the, the perfect. That's probably like the best drama line too. Not yep. to skip ahead, but it 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 just like it's so simple, but it fits the show so well. Yeah. That's like such a great example of the show knowing itself and just knowing the audience, right? Like you watch this and like. Yeah, that's that's the that's the right reaction. It's the move. We're all we're all friends again. Baby bro's gonna be back on top. We're we're all set. I think my favorite moment is just um so it's you have that good moment of them all like hailing the cab and stuff, and I, I almost recognize the street. I think it's like in Soho. It's in Soho. Yeah, it's gotta be in Soho. But which made me feel like I I wanna see them like around Manhattan to like yeah. you know like New York City. That would have been interesting. But anyway, um the real bro moment for me is like all the guys like you know your bros are your bros when they're they're cool with your parents and just like in your house like super casually like i love that he's kissing mrs chase on the cheek turtle's mom comes over and like drags them out and they're all just laughing it's great it feels these guys grew up across the street from each other and uh no that's that's super relatable and definitely bros being bros i have my close childhood friends grew up you know, a baseball throw this way and a baseball throw over my shoulder. <laughs> Starish, my bacon. Ma, oh. wow, what are you doing now? Well, sorry, I couldn't sleep thinking of you all lying in a ditch somewhere. We're grown men, Ma. Nothing's gonna happen to us. Oh, yeah? You keep partying like this at your age, you're gonna have a heart attack, Johnny. It's true. She's right. And you go home. Your mother's worried, too. I can't stay for breakfast? What? She doesn't cook for you anymore? Sadly, my mom's cooking's gone to shit. And the start of that crap. Be nice to your mother, Turtle. It's easy for you to say. Your mom's in Florida. Turtle! It's like she could smell you. I saw your pull up. What kind of an animal doesn't come home till sunrise? Four nights in a row. We're on vacation, Ma. Get your fat ass home. Right now. (laughs) I'm coming. Get your fat ass home, Turtle. Shut up, John. (laughs) We talked about your least favorite moment, which is just in general, the fight and the resolution. I want to talk about my least favorite moment which is this entire character of Kara the uh one who got away girl next door yeah. from back home I, she thinks it's <laughs> tough it's tough man like we're he has this uh, and specifically it's the scene where like Vince and Kara are walking along I think that's the East River I'm, I'm honestly I'm not a local New Yorker but and he's just like it's just supposed to be this like weighty emotional scene with a character that we met three minutes before and we're supposed to believe she's like this moral compass for Vince. He's like, you know, I got fired off my last movie. I know. I told you. Us Weekly? You read Us Weekly? (laughs) Future NBA? God, that is so sad. (laughs) I don't know what's gonna happen. I just know I can't take another year like this. What does he say? E? <laughs> he says a lot of things. I just don't know who I should listen to anymore. Just listen to yourself. And then later, she's at the bar with them, chopping it up at Johnny Drama's bar. I, I appreciate the Girls of the Week on Entourage. I get that it's part of the, you know, the, whatever, the ethos of the show. Yeah. But this trying to give her this, like, elevated status in the group while having none of the like goodwill with the audience was was really annoying upon yeah. watching what you think annoying um it's it's a thankless role for sure totally but no disrespect but a, i feel like a better actress could have yeah. you know actors do it all the time and they they give you way more than what's written and i think 
just whatever chemistry I've seen this actress in some other stuff too and she she just didn't like you know she you could tell she didn't fit and it was very distracting we'll talk about her a little bit more but just she's she's a Swedish supermodel so that's start that's the starting she's not an actor she started as a model and English isn't her second language is English is her second language so that those are those are limiting things for an actor you want a character actor a New York female you know someone recognizable but won't you know yeah i mean like if they got like just someone from like the tv circuit that we yep. know but we could have easily like you know and again like you said like she's in she has a lot to do within like two minutes right i know um someone like that could have could have gotten that goodwill you know most entourage moment of the episode fraser this could mean whatever you think entourage means in quotes this is always a fun question to people kind of take in every direction i mean it's it's got to be them making up and again, yep. <laughs> under one minute, like not to lean in, not to, you know, give the, give the, the critics and the complainers juice, but things happening that quickly, things turning around yeah. in their figure that quickly. Uh, you could say like Scorsese too, but um, mm-hmm. like we said, they earned that at least, but even that, that was like an entourage one in and of itself and um, just a, a, a cool one, you know? So, so mine's right after that scene, and everyone knows it. It's the final scene after everything comes together. We watch Vince flanked by Ari and his boys. They're walking down, you know, Sunset Boulevard, literally at sunset, and all you see around them are seven gorgeous women <laughs> in, in, like, insane sports cars, and they are just whipping their heads around, lo- double-taking, looking at each other. It's it's like, and then can you get to that by Fontadelt is playing? Ari literally says... You guys ready for what's coming? And Vince goes, oh, I'm ready, but I won't let it get to my head. It's like the perfect entourage life. Let's go. I remember being so amped. And it's just such a perfect, picture-perfect visual of these guys. It's so funny. I was laughing, but like laughing with joy looking right, at this scene, right. Frazier. Because it's it's not silly. It's just so entourage. It's, it's, so, just, it's entourage, and it's also, again, it's like, the moment it's like the, the the feeling they've been putting off for like a solid 12 episodes yep you can like 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 i said you can just feel them being excited to get back to that it's a giant sigh of relief <laughs> you guys ready for what's coming it's gonna be big oh, i've been ready for a long time but don't worry i won't let it go to my head <laughs> I just put you in a Scorsese movie. I might let it go to mine. Oh, your Oscar's gonna look great right next to Miami, bro. Uh, let's not get greedy. Oh, come on, let's. Reach for the stars, baby. Yeah, you know it. I wanna know. When I did the oral history, Kevin Dillon told me that that the walk and talk became their signature shot. You know, yep. so that even not even on, you know, sunset, like even in the New York scenes like that kind of just walk and talk is entourage to begin with. And it starts with them walking and talking on the studio a lot and running into Marky Mark in the pilot. Exactly. I'll take the credit. Remember, I told you, hey, the uh, anniversary is coming up and you're like, oh, shit, I should probably interview yes. all of them. And then, <laughs> so, yeah, just just did, did some credit three, four years later. <laughs> sure. Favorite line or quote from this episode? I've got a couple and they're all about drama but they're not from drama, but uh, you go ahead and take it away with yours. Um, I mean, we talked about drama saying let's get wasted, which is, which is ace, but also, yeah. I mean, I love a good, I love a good R.E.E. curse out, especially oh, yeah. when he just makes him repeat something like, say, I fucked over my best friend's career. <laughs> <laughs> you really are a 
an idiot, E. Ari. Say it out loud. I am a fucking idiot. Just call Dana Gordon. Yo, watch out, man. What's up? Have her overnight him. It's an unreleased disaster. She'll never let him out. You got her the job. You can get her to do it. I don't want to get her to do it. All right, fine. You know what, Ari? You call Gus and you tell him that, because he rearranged his whole schedule to be there when they arrive, and I told him you were sending him. Fuck! While you know, he's distracted on the phone and he runs into a famous Olympian, which we'll talk about. Um, yeah, so mine are uh, Mrs. Chase. You keep partying about this at your age. You're going to have a heart attack, Johnny. <laughs> and then five minutes later, Ari's on the phone with Vinny. He goes, Vinny, how goes it? And Vince goes, not well. My mom's all over me. She's treating me like she usually treats Johnny. <laughs> it's just like the black sheep of the family. Whereas in any other family, if you are a network television star, you are the star of that family. <laughs> still, he just can't catch a break. Yeah, he's like he's he's grinded it out now. He's got the hit show, and he's still like the butt second fiddle. Every joke. I know you saw this, and I think a lot of Entourage fans will remember. But at the surprise barbecue, the sign outside the house, "Welcome home, international movie star Vincent Chase," and then in like tiny letters underneath, and television star John Chase. It's like, who would do that? Just the best. Yeah, and then there's a, a little, when they're doing their walk and talk that you mentioned in Queens after they got out of the tab, Drama goes, I can give you plenty of advice on how to audition, bro. And Turtle goes, yeah, he needs advice on how to successfully audition. He goes, I've booked my fair share of jobs, jerk off, including this one right here. He points to his doofus five towns hat. And then Turtle goes, yeah, but one in a million is not the odds we're looking for. <laughs> Turtle, not, not a lot to do this episode, but still, still, still brings it, still, you know goes right at drama. I could give you plenty of advice on how to audition, bro. He needs advice on how to successfully audition. <laughs> I booked my fair share of jobs, you jerk off, including this one right here. Yeah, one in a million is not the odds we're looking for. Yeah, Vince knows how to audition. He had to start somewhere. Guys, I don't want to nope. talk about it. Let's just go say hi to Aunt Darcy from mine, then we'll hit Don Peppy's for some baked clams, OK? Can't just say hi to Aunt Darcy. <laughs> Best song. So Venner uh, has had his ups and downs this season. Last week's episode was like a really return to greatness for him. And I think this week's episode is just the same. There's like five or six songs that really stand out to me. What about you? Like, again, I hadn't seen this one in a while. So it was interesting to me that like he has no, like we talked about him premiering the Kanye song. And obviously once the show became big, big songs being on it was a staple. Yeah. Um, I thought it was interesting and really cool that this song, this episode is um, like just full of like throwback classics. Loved it. Yeah, yeah. My favorite has got to be like what, like just opening with De La Soul. It's just so great. Come on, let's do another shot. It's I can't. I got a 10 a.m. meeting. I miss it. I can kiss partner goodbye. You calling me? Definitely. Partner. She's a lawyer. Correct me if I'm wrong, but was that lawyer giving you a tug? <laughs> In LA, you can only get an actress or a hooker to do that. God, I love this motherfucking town. Give me one of Here. Incredible. Me, myself, and I, it's kind of the like the signature De La Soul song. Like I would love like more of a deep cut, but it's it's perfect for the guys yeah. boozing it up at a New York nightclub and opening the door and it's six in the morning. We also have Steppenwolf, uh, the pusher as the guys take the tab ride home to Queens, but Hair of the Dog by Nazareth when uh, 
dramas being sold by Cousin Ronnie on the bar. And then the, the two Fontadella songs at the end, Hit It and Quit It, when Vince finds out he's doing the Scorsese film, and then uh, can he get to that as as the boys are walking down Sunset and everything's back to normal, and we see the end credits. Uh, they're all so good. I will add all five of those songs to the Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah Spotify playlist. You guys can listen to that in the show notes of today's episode. Okay, celebrity cameos. We've got three of them. And I don't know how we rank best and worst amongst three, but let's talk about them. What did you think of Scorsese's performance as a cameo? It's not even about the performance. Um, he's just randomly like on a rooftop. Like the yeah. setting is just is, is great. And like you said, uh, and I didn't realize that it's like it's something they've been like casually building up to, and he's like a like a white whale for them. Yep. So I think everything about like the, his the setting and his kind of just like casual demeanor um, lived up to the hype. One hundred percent. Maybe you know he's the type of guy who like maybe he's in an editing bay and he's like I gotta go make this job offer. I'll go up on the roof to make that phone call. He's that type of guy where as he could just take that phone call in the editing bay and everyone could listen to him. He's he's gonna go give himself this moment on the roof. Marty's done this with HBO. He's played himself in The Sopranos, Curb, but he's very comfortable doing this with HBO. I love that he's like, the rushes for the movie about the forest fires or whatever. He just like couldn't give a shit about what he's watching. He just loved the performance so much. A little unbelievable that he makes the lead offer, you know, but who cares? It's Entourage. Maybe Vince really did show some growth. Dana Gordon said so in the last episode that she and John Ellis loved what they saw from the rushes. So, you know. So, so did Scorsese, apparently. It wasn't that it was unbelievable. It was just more that, and maybe this is us thinking of like Vincent Chase, the person versus Vincent Chase actor, but wouldn't he be Gatsby, right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's true. When I first saw it in 2008 and they said, I'd love to offer you the lead of Nick Carraway, I'd read Great Gatsby in high school. I just assumed that was Gatsby. I was like, oh, Vince is going to play Gatsby. But no, he's playing the POV character who befriends Gatsby, like the Tobey Maguire yeah, the, you know, character in the Baz Luhrmann yeah, video. The uh, normal, you know? like The normal dude, yeah. Like, the dude who's kind of like lovelorn and like, you know, it is a, a kind of a departure from like, you know, you're the movie star. Because who plays Gatsby? I mean, let's be honest. Who plays Gatsby in the 2008 uh, version of The Great Gatsby? It's probably Leo. <laughs> it's probably like... Someone who's played that type of person before. I don't know. Maybe Bradley Cooper or something? <laughs> um, okay, we also have Gus Van Sant, who we talked about a little bit, but just stick to directing, Gus. Maybe the reason you have such a problem with Vincent Chase is because you, you yourself see a, little, you see a little of yourself in it. His, his, his delivery is flat. It's monotone. But I don't disagree that maybe it's just because he's just dismissive and busy and has no time for Eric shit. Yeah, I mean, even if it wasn't intentional, it totally works. And totally, 100%. it makes them feel um, very small and kind of tease up the, the swerve and the win in a really good way. So maybe Gus Van Sant is a genius. Maybe. And, and I actually really liked him going like toe-to-toe with E when E's like, have you seen this? He's like, yep, I see everything. He's like, have you seen this? Yep, saw it. Everyone saw Aquaman, also saw it. Like, that's a director. Directors see everything to, like, learn and to get better at their craft and to, you know, check out the, the competition. And so I love that little note because it just shows, like, of course, Dust Van Sant would see every movie. It just, it, it all, it all made sense. It all aligned for me. 
Uh, what's your favorite Gus Van Sant uh, movie? I don't mean to put you on the spot. I'm trying to look. Yeah, there's no, he's, a lot of music. A lot of music documentaries. Actually, this might not be a good question. <laughs> he's actually a guy who I have not seen. He's like a really. He's always been a really big blind spot for me. But I've always been really interested in. Um, well, I mean, I've seen his Psycho, which you know. Yeah, was that uh, uh Vince Vaughn? Yeah, Vince Vaughn and Anne H. Yeah. R.I.P. Yeah. Um, yeah. Jesus. Finding Forrester. That that movie had a moment for sure. That did. That did. That was like a cool kid movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've always been really interested in seeing My Private Idaho. I've never made the time for it. And I will expose myself. I've never seen Goodwill Hunting. What? It's oh, one man. of those, like, yeah. you have those movies where it's like they're so in yeah. random popular culture. And they're that one, you feel like you've seen them already. And then two, they're always on like TBS or something, but that's not how you want to watch it for the first full time. So it's just like you never but it doesn't feel like something urgent that you have to get to and, and check off on your letterbox. So. Yeah. I totally, I think everyone has a movie about that. Mine's Braveheart. Like I've seen enough clips from Braveheart. I've heard yeah. the famous speeches and like, but am I going to sit down and watch a two hour and 40 minute movie about a Scottish revolution? Probably not anytime soon. Not at the top of my list, but I would implore you to check out Goodwill hunting just for the, some of the scene, the written scenes are just the writing, obviously so fucking good. My, it's probably my favorite movie. Um, and then there's one more cameo. Uh, Michael Phelps. Famously. <laughs> what'd you say? I said I'm torn because it's like, uh, it's dumb on the one yeah. hand. And it's, um, again, like by this point, the show was, was such a destination. And so like cool, quote unquote, that even no cameo was a surprise and everyone wanted to be on it. So it's like, kind of goofy yeah but at the same time it's like all right but did you did you want like michael phelps to have like a real role or in, like, exactly speaking Th- i think that's where i like it too right They're like i think he has another he has another appearance in a season or two i don't think so there's someone who was like was a walk and talk or something and then popped back up again in this episode or just like in general no like like maybe like in season eight or something because like Ethan Supley is in like some early scenes in Queens Boulevard, and then he's just hanging out at Vinny's house or Turtle's house at that point with the Avion Tequila. There's a couple, but yeah, I, I like the Phelps thing because just that previous summer, like three months earlier, he won a world record eight gold medals at the Beijing Olympic Games. It's underrated because he's this world class athlete and he has these serious credentials, and you know that he got back from Beijing, and they're like Mike. You have the world of, as your oyster. What do you want to do? And he goes, I just want to be on Entourage. And you're, <laughs> and you're right, Frazier. He could have been like, and I want a bit part as like drama's rival or me and Turtle. But like, no, he's just like, no, I'll just whatever. And I'm sure, you know, Dodd and the Dane, why don't you just bump into E on the streets? And he was like, I love that. I did to be in an Entourage episode. And I, and so I like that. It didn't have to be anything more than that. And it isn't. So I, I appreciate that. For yeah. Sure. Maybe he's in the movie. I don't know. Maybe he is in the movie. That that sounds more accurate to me than someone in season eight. The cameos in season eight, when I get there in a year, <laughs> every episode I'm going to be like, all right, we got 10 cameos that I get through. Um, speaking of cameos, by the way, if you haven't, check out the piece that I wrote for Complex three years ago. Oh, man. Classic. Where I ranked every single celebrity cameo from Entourage, over 121 of them. Written by me and edited by you, 
It's about as exhaustive of a list as you can get. Spoiler alert, I ranked Scorsese as a top 10 cameo. Check out the article. I'll put the link to it in the show notes of today's episode. We already talked about who's number one. We talked about it earlier when we were talking about music. So, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, man, that was a fun Labor Day weekend, ranking all of that. But, uh, again, appreciate that. Appreciate that op. <laughs> all right. Uh, we kind of talked about um, Kara, the girl of the week. But this isn't about the actress. Let's just talk about her as a character did you want to see more of her i I call this keeper or sleeper like was she good as a one-off would you have liked you know two three episodes of tara hanging out with the boys what are your thoughts on her um i mean it it kind of comes back to the actress because if she nailed it then yeah that's like an interesting character and one to like you know not even to fanfic the show but like maybe that would have been a better season eight like endgame prevents is the 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 girl back home the the hometown girl who's not awed by all the hollywood shit or his persona or whatever but um given what we got you know no yeah never that's fair i think i agree with you not less of her but no more of her the actress mercedes mason as i mentioned as i mentioned she's a swedish model and actress at this time, 2008, she was literally just doing bit parts, one-off characters. But then 2012, her career takes off. She was in 12 episodes of The Finder, 35 episodes of Fear the Walking Dead. She played Ophelia Salazar. And most recently, she starred alongside Castle, I forgot the actor's name, Nathan Fillion, in 16 episodes of that top show on ABC, The Rookie. She wow. plays Zoe Anderson. So she's getting that broadcast money, that Walking Dead money. Like she's, you know, she's killing it <laughs> she's uh, at dead. this time, though. She's network. New. network TV is, is where the bag is at. So good for her. I never watched, I never did the Walking Dead spinoff. Neither did I. I, I, had to, I had to put Walking Dead on a shelf after like five seasons because it just became. Yeah, same. How would this episode be different today plot wise? You know, I was thinking about that. Maybe this is like a more of a season thing, but I guess like we're even more unkind to actors that have fallen out of favor right oh wow yeah maybe in one hand like you get you get the home the homecoming party for events in the neighborhood right because they don't they don't care but maybe like if they wanted to be a little bit more true to it you don't get people shouting vince's name on the new york streets and you get like like more derisive or shady comments interesting yeah fucking dumois like vince chase spotted sulking yeah at home because he can't keep a job in LA you know I love this yeah yeah, yeah. Vince Vince Vincent Chase returns home shamefully after yeah, yeah, being yeah. fired from smoke jumpers and here's Vincent Chase eating a sad sandwich on a you know like on a yeah. bus stop bench or something like that I really like that because him returning as a hometown hero people not really caring about what's going on in his career does seem a little off where yeah you know you're a New Yorker New Yorkers know people they see an asshole, they'll go, hey, what's up, asshole? And like, at this and point, Vince is down. People always kind of argue it both ways. I've heard like, you know, obviously I've never lived in LA, but spending time there, I've heard that, you know, like it's nothing to see Seth Rogen at your local coffee yep. shop and you're like a noob if you make that a big deal. Sure. I, I, I kind of feel like New York is the same way. Like in a sense that like no one really like freaks out when you walk by. So like, it'll be like, like John Legend their place whatever and you're not gonna really like hey you know stop it in the middle of thing so i think they it's funny because they have the people shouting him out and they kind of wanted it to feel like a 
like returning hero or also that people are less jaded to see celebrities in New York. But I feel like today, if they wanted to really be true to where he was at, he would have gotten some like some flack on the streets. I, I love this. This is a great take. Uh, just a little more pushback from the general public, from his the people he thought were hit in his corner. Right. Maybe aren't in his corner as much. If this episode was 42 minutes, there'd definitely be some room for that. But as mentioned, it goes pretty quick. But no, this is a great take. Um, mine's just a small thing, but E would have found out that Vince was playing Nick Carraway immediately in 2022. A push notification from Vulture or right. GQ yeah. Entertainment or something like that. Like He wouldn't be like, what are you not going on, Vince? You know, two full days later. I mean, also, if, Vin- if E's good at his job... Yeah. yeah, if he's good at his job, he should know, be up on all the trades and stuff like that. So that that's that's a plot thing that like doesn't really stand up. Overall, I think like this plot could pretty much go beat for beat today, which which is cool. And that's all that always shows. This this people say the show doesn't age well, but often or not, it's just like certain oh. dialogue doesn't age well as opposed to the plot. No, dude. I mean, we we probably talked about this on here before, but the show is like eerily ahead of its time and like oh yeah the biz- like everything from like the superhero boom to um even just like movie concepts they'll throw out as a joke like someone made like a, a, a drama thriller called the tax collector <laughs> <laughs> it was terrible but you know they, like they um and it's funny it's one of the, the i've interviewed like doug like two or three times and one of the um most interesting things he's ever said to me that always stuck with me is that when the show first started, especially, people thought it was satire, but he was never, ever writing it that way. He's literally just writing what he knew. Mm-hmm. It's always just so interesting. Kind of just like reflecting everything that's around them. And it, when you think about it that way, they really did kind of know the business and see the business a certain way and even see ahead for some things. So. And when you think about it from the perspective of the viewers, guys like you and I, we had no insight into what Hollywood was like or how scripts get made and sold and the ups and downs of celebrity. And so this was, I mean, it was crack, as, as I say now. It was it was dope. And uh, that's why, I mean, there's still this thing still has such a life all these years later. That's why I talk about it every single week because people have such an affinity and still look upon it so fondly. So faces in the crowd. Vince's mom, Rita, Mercedes Rell. Do you know the actress? She's she's huge. Bed bedtime back in the eighties. Yeah, she's a um, she's a staple for sure. Dude, she was in the Secret of My Success, Married to the Mob. She's an Academy Award winner. She plays Anne Napoletano in the uh, Fisher King, which was a Terry Gilliam movie in nineteen ninety one. Never seen it, but heard great things. I personally know her though as um. Josh Baskin's mom in the 1988 Tom Hanks movie Big. Uh, like Tom Hanks comes down the stairs in her 12-year-old son's underwear and she like pulls a knife and goes nuts on him. I'm like, oh, that's that's where I know her from. That's Mrs. Chase. She is um it's not big for me. It's um like literally no pun intended, but Frasier, the yeah, um, uh she did she was like a recurring love interest for him. She plays a waitress at the diner in Seinfeld as well. Uh, you, you see her pop up like maybe three times, but it's just enough where you're like, I know that person. So does Dana oh. Gordon too. So a lot, a lot of these entourage actresses hanging out in the uh, Seinfeld world. Get out of my kitchen, Johnny. I'm making my famous frittatas. No, I'm nervous. And when I'm nervous, I have to stay busy. Any calls? 
No, nothing yet. Relax, Ma. Look, some of us are not used to this kind of thing. My God, I always thought it was you I was going to have to worry about. Never Vince. You'll be fine, Ma. Don't worry. Morning, Mrs. Chase. <laughs> oh, Will, what have we here? This is like old times. Huh? Eat. Any calls? Hey, don't even ask. Don't even ask. Sorry? Well, now that you did. Nothing yet. Did you track the package? Are you even sure he got the movie? They're called dailies, Ma. All right, whatever they're called, you sure he got them? Did you track the package? I tracked them. I tracked them. He definitely got them. Jeez. Let's just focus on something else, guys. Okay. Like what? Sixth Man Award, Frazier, who comes off the bench and just lights it up for their scene or couple scenes. I mean, it's really Jamie Lynn. It's Jamie Lynn. And that, it's like a really good, uh, she kind of, you know, Again, I think in the moment, you weren't really sure where they were going with it, with that that whole like arc or plot line or romance, whatever you want to call it. And um, not to mention, I always get like, did life imitate art or did art imitate yeah. life in there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they started dating like when they started shooting. So at this point when they're shooting, they're dating. I think okay, that's okay. the timeline. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's, it's fun and it kind of, it gives you like a really good preview of season six and um in my opinion like the last really good turtle arc and a really good it, it makes sense that it took them five to six seasons to give him like an actual romantic interest because that just wasn't the character and it makes sense and she kind of like lived up to to that that character development for him one thousand percent every episode she's been in thus far every time we talk about six man we don't jamie and seedler because she's authentic she's also like you know the aspirational girlfriend who's having phone sex with him and like you know just even the line like whatever drama we're fucking yeah, like it's just say, like not even like forget about the wish fulfillment of the phone sex just like the whole like just telling drama to fuck off meeting drama there like honestly I, like we can't compare someone who's been on you know worked with fucking david chase and been on hbo yeah. She was a kid to you, the the Swedish model, but yeah. what I, that goes back to what I mean of just like she immediately had um, just kind of chemistry with everybody and felt like she fit, and it was almost you know not to skip ahead it was almost kind of like a bummer when they finally dissolved that situation and she left. I know. She did I know fit in with the group with the group. Total's phone. Hello, who's this? It's a girl. His mother. Hello. Can I tell Turtle who's calling? It's Jamie, drama. Really? Are you guys giving Turtle a hard time? Oh, no, 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 no. It's all, it's all good fun. Whatever. We're fucking. So, can I please just talk to her? Yeah, yeah. Of course. It's Jamie Lynn. They're fucking, and I'm gonna jump off the Trotborough Bridge. <laughs> hey, sorry about that. They stole my phone. Babe, relax. I don't care. I just miss you. She misses me. Ooh, I miss you too. Phone sex? <laughs> I'll go outside. Wow, seriously. All right, come on. Who's Jamie Lynn? Siegler from The Sopranos. Hello, Soprano. Oh, pop. Well, bro, a turtle can land Jamie Lynn. There's no reason you can't get a Gus Van Sant movie. I just hope he lets me read. There's nothing to hope. He will. So needless to say, you liked the Jamie Turtle plot. I, I did as well, and it was it is one of... It is the last of Turtles' good plots. It's the last of a lot of good things that happen in season six, which you and I were talking about offline. And 
you know, I don't want to get too deep into it because I'm really not trying to. This is an, an awesome entourage episode. I'm not trying to shit on the show, especially later on. But you and I, we share the opinion, and I'll be talking about it a lot next season. That season six should have been it. The ending in season six. That season six finale is the perfect bow on top of this whole present. It would have been an all-time series finale. Absolutely. And, you know, I get it, though. More money, more opportunities. Let's let's play around with it. Let's experiment a little bit more. And uh, in my lifetime, the planes don't often sunset. Ian Sloan are together, and uh, Vinny and Drama are headed to Italy. It's it's great. The only one who's down, though, is Turtle at the end of that uh, season. So I guess that was the... Yeah, but he's, he's down in entourage terms, which means that his yeah. A-list superstar girlfriend has given him permission to go off and bag all the college women in his sight and he's gonna link up with vince and drama in greece or wherever yeah yeah that's so true yeah he'll be fine he'll get over it like perfectly fine there are worse worse ways to go through a breakup i I agree with you uh so my sixth man is uh cousin ronnie that's a good actor louis lombardi uh you know he's appeared before uh it's funny too because i've been re-watching 24 with my girl She's never seen it. Um, so I was about to say. We've gotten to his, the, the point of the show where he's a character. And uh, she was like, at first, he's kind of a bad actor. And I was like, no, he's not. He's playing the character. Because if you see him in other shit, he usually plays like a scumbag or just like yep. this, you know, like a New York kind of dude. And it's it's really funny to watch those two like close to each other and watch the different performances. Beverly Hills Cop 3, Suicide Teens, The Usual Suspect. I liked him in The Sopranos. He's, uh, you know, Bid Pussy's uh, uh, FBI, like, handler or whatever. So uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's great. I mean, he's he, born and raised in the Bronx. I got an opportunity for you, drama. Like, he's just he's just that guy. He's that cousin who's always got some stam, some steam. Again, like, it felt true to, like, the, the real um, neighborhood, close-knit family kind of thing where it's, like, no one is really, like, in awe of it he's a drama's a tv star or whatever it's more just like okay you've got money yep here's how we can use that here's how we can buy this bar that's run by a degenerate damn but and i like that they brought him back i like that he was a character that was introduced in season three and then you see him in season five it gives more right. credence to this family world that the chases inhabit i'm not investing in a bar Ronnie. think of it this way you'll be investing in the old neighborhood huh tv star makes good huh come on drama Think about all the great times we had in this place. 94, game six, John Stocks. Come on, you remember? I do, I do, and I remember coming here trying to forget game seven. This place is still packed every night. So how did Philly fall so behind? Ah, he's a degenerate gambler. So why would I want to invest with him? He's in the program now. 30 G's and he's back on his feet. He won't make the same mistake again. Ronnie, forget it. Like my last investment with you, I'll never see my money again. Maybe you won't. Right. And I think Philly might let you change your name. Speaking of the chases, what was your favorite drama moment from this week's episode? I mean, we already talked about his last line, which is perfect and a perfect <laughs> send-off to the season. But also, the um, you talked about this a little bit, but just the idea of like him him being so excited to to share his uh, ambition, <laughs> pearls of wisdom. It kind of reminded me of like, like a, a really great dra- series, drama series moment when they're um, courting new agents thing that he's used to. And he kind of, you know, like that's when I feel like the, like, he, I, I'm sure you have this category because like he's, he's quietly like the best character. The writing for him is really sharp. And um, I don't know if it's really quietly, specific. I think. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, the, the he's he's big because he has like a lot of the laugh lines and shit. Sure. But you know, just like the, the, the there's so many like finer details about him that are really funny, and just the idea that he's uh like uh, Vince hasn't read for a part in what they say like three or five years or whatever, and of yeah. course drama's been like grinding it out, and he's like you know oh the the wait <laughs> sitting around waiting by the phone and all that stuff. That's my line. Yep, that's the one. That's my favorite moment. Ah, the life of an actor waiting around for the phone to ring. There's something kind of exciting about it. No? And everyone's like, no, <laughs> no. He's like, you guys are pussies. <laughs> There's nobody can relate to that besides drama. He's been through it so much that he can't actually. He can't even um, personalize it. You know, it's got. Yeah. He'll he'll crumble. Yeah. It's like going to the gym for him. Yeah. I like to say, I don't know if I've said on this podcast, but like rewatching it now, 2022, drama as a full scoped character is still so funny because now you look at it like through the lens view of like, you know, mental health and stuff that people love to talk about. It's like, this is an anxious, <laughs> insecure, you know, man in his late 40s, 50s, trying to stay relevant by like chasing around his younger brother and his friends it is so pitch perfect funny. that's what i mean like the details like some of the, some of the characters are like they're not sketches but they have like sketch moments where it's just like yeah. or, this is a thing he does or yes yeah. this thing and like drama is just like so fully realized and i'm sure it's because like you can't be in hollywood like doug and all these guys were and not know like a hundred dramas i guess yeah. so i'm sure there's a ton of like just composites to build on and the details are so good and it's like even um you know, we're talking about how he can't be emotionally invested in the audition process. Again, not to get ahead, but like one season finale now from now, he's, he has like a, an actual breakdown. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, I still have the same for my supper, but this is what I do. And there, there's something honorable in that and that he finds honor in that. And honestly, like still probably my favorite character. And like people love to be, oh, Ari, Ari, Ari. But it's like, okay, Ari has moments and drama yeah. overall is just this force and actually that drama, exists drama doesn't have any dips he really doesn't like ari has arcs and episodes where he's not hitting but um even in like seven and eight drama is good and they leaned on i mean and kevin dylan is you know probably the strongest actor out of the crew besides piven it's a shame that like he gets nominated every year for an emmy in the same category as Piven and doesn't doesn't win one for himself. And I think that's why they made good at the end of the Entourage movie with the characters. Yeah. Like, but it's also like, I mean, it's like who, who you can't end the movie on like a, a, a triumphant moment for Vince. It doesn't hit no. anything. Like ending it on a drama, like that says it. In it movie. worked. Yeah. Believe me, we're going to do a round table when I do the movie and you're going to come <laughs> in for like 20 minutes. I'll give you a drama. Everyone, Mike Camerlingo is going to come in and do all the, it'll be fun. That'll be in a year and a half, so clear your calendar. <laughs> Let's do it. Ah, oh, the life of an actor, waiting around for the phone to ring. Something kind of exciting about it, no? No. Pussies. Ari Gold's not a ton of moments. Like, he does have his back and forth with E. He's kind of sidelined. Him throwing the water bottle in anger was really funny. Over the Ferrari. Yeah. Over his own windshield. Why would you throw it, like, across <laughs> your windshield instead of out? your side window and littering in LA that guy's because listen they gotta get the full wide shot that's true the f430 whatever it was you know like you know it but also I mean yeah I mean him get Ari coming all the way to New York that strut crazy. into the bar in the three-piece suit and looking around what is this this is Dramatic, a New York vacation getting out of the cab and yeah. 
but also like again like you said like it's a bro moment too like only you know he's not he's not flying across coast for every client that's right okay lloyd get him on the phone now Jesus! This is what you call a New York vacation? Where's the glamour? Where's the bitches? Oh, look who's here! Yeah, welcome to Johnny Dramas. Ah, this must be Ari. Ari? Kara, Kara, Ari. I apologize, I was talking about these bitches. Not <laughs> Ari, let me get you a beer, huh? You know what? Just make it a quick one because I got a big meeting tomorrow. Ah, look at you. It's good to see you. Yeah. Nice of you to drop by. Actually, you know what? I got a little bit of business as well, Vinny. Oh, yeah, what's going on? Don't thank me, thank E. For once in his life, the little McNugget delivered. <laughs> Speaking of E, who besides Vince won this week's episode? I mean, it's not E. He gets like the tail between his legs and the and the fucking. Um, he's working like his TV client that doesn't have a TV show yet. Actually, I, um, I don't know if you saw this. I think Kevin Hart said it himself on his TV show that he hosts that he went out for that role. That ballot. really. This is obviously before Kevin Hart is like name brand Kevin Hart. Um, it would have been awesome. It would have been so much better with Kevin Hart. Yeah. Um, Kevin Hart is actually a comedian with comedic chops on, yeah. as opposed to Bow Wow. So you're not, so you're saying, you're saying E did not win this episode? No, dude, Turtles having phone sex with Jamie Lindsay. All right. That's fair. <laughs> That's totally fucking fair. But, that scene is hilarious, by the way. I mean, getting, as a grown man, getting caught by your mother on the, the landline, that's a bit of a throwback, but uh, so good. Are you wet? I'm wet, and your big cock is in my mouth. That's where my big cock likes to be. Girl! Ma? Who are you talking to like that in my house? <laughs> my Your father girl. would roll over in his grave. Jamie, I gotta call you back later. Oh, no! No, goddammit! Dude, I'm giving it to E. He busts his ass, he gets his best friend into a Scorsese movie, and he gets his terrible client Charlie on a Jimmy Kimmel at the end of the show. Like, you're right, he... He's he's down most of the episode, but at the end of it, he's the most up besides Vince. He's uh, very good at his job, despite what Vince and Ari say when they're when they're down. That's true. We know he is the guy. He was treated unfairly by his best friend, and I like I liked his. You know, he's like, you know what? I will go to bed knowing I did everything I could to get you to where you want to be. And Vince is like, well, it wasn't enough. He goes, yeah, well, fuck you. It's great. It's it's a great little. It's real, and it should have lasted a little longer. I completely agree with you. Vince! I really don't want to talk about this right now, E. Ah, we're going to be all right. We just did a lead. Things didn't go as we planned, but yeah. everything's going to be fine. You sure? You're always so fucking sure. How do you really know? I just do. Yeah, just like you knew about this? Ari told you no, and you kept pushing. And now, not only did you embarrass yourself, you embarrassed me. Embarrassed you? Gus Van Sant likes you Well, you believe him? Come on. He won't even let me audition. Who knows if he even watched the footage? No, this year we said, we swore we were going to listen to Ari, and guess what? Again, you didn't. What am I supposed to do? Do nothing and stand by and hope something magically appears? Yeah, maybe. Because since you've been my manager, everything you've pushed for has gotten me to this point. Are you serious? I've been the one working for you to get you what you want when no one else cares. Yeah, well, maybe that's what I needed. Someone looking out for my career, not my personal interests. I was doing both. Well, whatever it is you were doing clearly isn't working. Two years ago, I was starring in movies. Now people won't even let me audition. One person won't let you audition. You have to stay positive, Vince. You know that. Are you serious? I have done nothing but stay positive. I have listened to everything you've wanted me to do. And now I got a house full of people who can really see what a failure I've turned into. Vince, come on. No. 
We said when we started this, it was gonna be about the business, not the friendship. It's time for a change, E. You firing me? The business isn't working, is it? Well, whatever. I'm not gonna grovel. Go find someone better. Cause I can live with myself, knowing I busted my ass and I gave everything I had to you. No, I know you did, E. But it wasn't enough. Yeah, fuck you. Frazier, last, last question. A-list, B-list, or D-list episode of Entourage, and we can do pluses and minuses. Um, you said we can do? Yeah, you can do pluses and minuses. All right, so, I mean, it's, it's, it's D-list for me. D-list? D-list. D-plus. <laughs> but it's because the rest of the season is so good. Okay. Like, I'm really into the season. Um, and then I'm torn because, like... I mean, maybe it's like a C if we, we can invent a C, but all it's right, just like right. the, the Gus Van Sant to Scorsese stuff is a great conclusion. Yep. It just comes on the back of such like a forced thing that they even, it's like, okay, once you've gone all the way with this, then you can't even commit to it. Like lit like 37 second <laughs> resolution. That's it's true. Just, I think the scene is literally 37 seconds. The, the it's dialogue always going to annoy me. It annoys me watching this episode in a vacuum, so I can't even imagine how much it would annoy me if I was <laughs> watching the season or the series and just seeing like, oh, th- this makes no sense. You know what, man? You're a critic. I'm going to defer to you, but I, I I can't let my listeners down. This is an A minus episode for okay. me. I mean, fair enough. It's it's it just by because of how it makes me feel. If I did caught up in the machinations that you're referring to, if I did caught up in like, yeah, it's weird that Vince fired E and then wanted him and back, the, and there was the like, hometown girls, like you know, it's got yeah, it's true. It's it's, it's, it's the trackers. You know what? It does unravel a little bit when you look at it closer, but I will say. Um, like you, like you just something you just said. You said the way it makes you feel. I think if you're watching it, having rewatched them grind it out for a whole season, then you have to. It it feels better. Unlike you, I'm rewatching these episodes in order multiple times per week to get all these notes down. So it truly is a sigh of relief when Scorsese calls and we end on the boys, you know, in the limelight again. So. We feel completely different. That's totally fine. This was a blast talking to you. Even though it was a D, C minus episode, you, you still brought it. So I appreciate it. Yeah, man. It, it um, It's like a good, it's a, it's still a good ending to like an experiment that they took. And, and like, I, like I keep saying, like you can tell they really just were like, all right, that's over. But um, it's also fun, too, because, like, season six is, like, kind of an experiment. And I'm sure you'll get into this, like, in and of itself. It's, like, it's interesting to look at it, take a step back and be, like, season five is so plot-focused, right? It's so business-focused. It's so Vince-focused. And then by it seems by design, season six is going to be way less, like, almost, there is almost no plot. There's no, there's no Vince plot, that's for sure. It's, it's very much propped up by Andrew Klein and Ari's issues, Turtle and Jamie and him going to college, and then E, Sloan, Ashley, which, let's be honest, isn't the strongest <laughs> of, the, of those three things. So, yeah, it's, it's like the people, it's the entourage as opposed to... Yeah, like they made a, a very conscious decision to, to focus on like the characters, specifically um, people like Turtle and, and E, who sometimes took a backseat to like the Hollywood shit and um you know like they were taking swings not everything worked but what are you gonna do this episode of this podcast worked for me 
Frazier, where can the listeners find you, follow you, read you, et cetera? Uh, I'm the summer man on IG and Twitter, where uh, I will often tweet a straight entourage thought that comes to mind <laughs> any given time. And uh, the writing for GQ. Yeah, check it out. Sometimes you'll even see him in the print editions on you know, the fifth or sixth page yeah. rocking a new uh, fit. That was awesome. I was like on a beach in fucking Mexico. I brought yeah. along a GQ and I was like, that's Frazier in the magazine. So very cool. Love it. Thank you for hopping on, dude. We're going to talk at the end of season six as well. And, and maybe I'll have you back for the movie if I made it that far. Yes. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Talk to you next time. Yeah.